0: You are live with Get Connected. Mike Agarbo here. I've got uh, my good uh, friend out of Toronto. His name is Carmi Levy. We're talking all things tech as we always do. On today's program, some interesting things to chat about. Facebook turns 20 years old. I can't believe it's been that long. We're going to talk about the the highs and some of the lows uh, as well. Uh, Another interesting story we'll talk about, uh, and this involves AI, the dark side. Uh, A finance worker was duped by AI into paying out $25 million. I I can't even believe this story and how intricate it got, uh, but we'll uh, we'll tell you all about it as well. We'll also be talking with the folks over at Amazon Web Services about uh, a new AI center uh, that they've uh, built in Edmonton, working with the University of Alberta. So uh, for all the students wanting to get into the growing uh, AI fields, hopefully the good side. Uh, This is uh, a really feel-good story. Carmi, thanks for coming on the program. Uh, Great to be here with you, Mike. Thanks for having me. Uh, We want to talk about some of the news uh, in the the tech world. I guess one of them here in Canada right now, it looks like Bell just did a major layoff.
1: Yeah, it looks like 4,800 Bell employees are in the process of losing their jobs. And on top of that, the company is selling 45 of its 103 regional radio stations. Uh, The numbers are 9% of their workforce. The radio stations that are being sold off to other operators, so they're not shuttering them. Uh, They are in BC, Ontario, Quebec, Atlantic, Canada. This, of course, comes just, what, a couple of weeks after Bell Let's Talk Day, which is supposed to uh, bring attention to mental health. And yet now, yet again, uh, it's another major wave. Uh, of, of layoffs at a company that has become known for that. This is really part of its seemingly a part of its business model, um, where every every year, twice a year, uh, this sort of seems to be the the process. And what's kind of jarring in this case is uh, their leadership is essentially calling these businesses, these radio stations, not viable. Uh, they're saying that it's it's going in the wrong direction. They'll continue to operate radio stations that they do deem viable. But the ones that aren't are getting uh, are getting spun off, and so really just a continuation of a story that has been uh, you know sort of ongoing for years. Disclosure: I am a former Bell Media employee uh, before deciding to leave a number of years ago. But I was present through a number of these waves of layoffs, where you knew that HR had come to the building today, uh, and you kind of dreaded having your name called if if you were going to be called into a boardroom for that uh, last and rather terrible meeting. So uh, I certainly feel for my colleagues, uh, some of whom I've worked with, uh, including recently. Uh, and uh, and it is yet another unfortunate chapter in Canadian media history, and certainly not one
0: that anybody would want to write. It's interesting uh, with the radio stations, they are a major player in that space and, and getting rid of how many, 48? I uh, 40... Uh... 4,500. So almost half of their, their entire
1: holdings. And the vast majority of them are their AM uh, talk, talker stations, so talk radio, uh, but also other formats as well. And basically, they they seem to be in smaller markets. Uh, so if you're in Toronto or Montreal, then you're fine. If you're in uh, Kelowna or St. Catharines, no, you're not. And so uh, they're obviously making some, some decisions about what businesses they want to be in. Um, but you know yet again, if you are on the receiving end of this, this is uh, you know yet another milestone that uh, no one ever hoped would come.
0: Well, radio's had a really good run, uh, you know, especially when you look at other uh, media formats, uh, you know the TV uh, world. Uh, but radio seems to have continued to to plug along. Uh, but it, it it seems it's it's really getting a lot more competition now, especially as cars get more connected. Um, i think that's where a lot of people were still listening are and are still listening to uh to radio including uh, you know ck and Delby out of vancouver which I, i'm on and uh but there is a lot of competition from podcasts and all these other streaming say- stations that can be connected right into uh connected cars or through you know your smartphone devices
1: exactly i think it's fair to say that you know if you were operating a radio station and you thought that Uh, Most of your audience would continue to consume it via traditional broadcast channels. So the radio in your car, a radio that you carry with you, the radio that you have in your house, then you clearly uh, have been left behind and will continue to be left behind. No one listens to radio that way anymore. And in fact, I went through my house this morning looking for an actual radio and I could not find one. I realized that I've been listening to radio on smart speakers exclusively for the better part of the last couple of years. And I know that I'm not alone. I go into my car in order to find the radio. I have to dig six layers deep in the menu. I've never (laughs) used it, and I've had the car for five years. Uh, And and so I, of course, I can load the app. I can listen to it that way. And I think that's where radio is going. Radio is really, and, and I don't like to think of it in terms of radio. It's really content. And so that's why podcasts are so popular because a really good podcast does what really good radio has always done it introduces you to really cool people really cool music really great stories uh and it creates a sense of community through the air Uh, and so it's being delivered differently now but the the things that made radio great in the past will continue to make content great in the future it takes creative business people creative programmers creative content producers to figure out what that transition will look like but i think at the end of the day we all still want to be connected, and we all still want to have really great things to listen to and watch. And that is as true today as it was yesterday.
0: Moving on to some other tech news stories. This one uh, I was a little disturbed by, Carmi. I'm, I'm a fan of Bitcoin. Uh, I love digital currency. Uh, you know, there's been a bit of a, a fall over the past uh, couple of years. But Bitcoin, uh, you know, the uh, I guess the granddaddy of them all still remains out there. And, you know, its prices ever increasing once again. Uh, but this stat uh, was kind of concerning. It, it seems that over 2% of the United States electricity generation goes to Bitcoin. And, and uh, you know, for the listeners out there, 2% of the U.S.'s electricity generation, that is a lot. Just going to Bitcoin mining and transactions socking Uh it's like the entire state
1: of Utah. That's all they do is they mine Bitcoin. And I think we kind of have to step back and look at what that process is. In order to create Bitcoin, you have to mine it. That requires huge computational capacity. So computers have to work on encrypting and de-encrypting and you know doing huge numbers of calculations just to create the asset in the digital space, which means a lot of computer power if you there were a lot of people in the early days of the cryptocurrency revolution who were mining bitcoin on their computers and anyone who did it back back in the day realizes the computer got really hot the fans would kick in it would be working overtime you could almost see your electricity meter cranking away as the computer desperately tried to keep up with all that those compute cycles these days most of bitcoin mining has moved into the into the digital space and so it's online happening at a data center. So Bitcoin miners, what they're doing is they're setting up data centers that are in places in Canada and in the U.S. that have access to cheaper uh, power. Maybe they're closer to uh, a power station, a generating station that is underutilized. Maybe they're in a place like Quebec that has a huge amount of surplus hydroelectric power and it's really cheap there. So you're seeing these sort of areas across the continent that are blooming. China recently banned. Um, uh, got cryptocurrency mining on its territory. So that has shifted demand to North America. Uh, and that adds up after a while. Uh, and at some point, there's going to be a cost to that because it means that, for example, in the middle of the summer, when everyone's cranking their AC and the grid is working really closely to its limit, well, now you have a significant percentage devoted to crypto mining, which you know really isn't a life or death thing for most of us. Uh, it's going to force some questions about how, you know, how how much we have to build our grid out, how we manage it, and who decides which functions, which capabilities get the power and which ones don't. We may not be talking about it now, but guarantee you in the middle of July, when the temperature spikes above 30, we're going to be having this
0: conversation and we're all going to be blaming Bitcoin for uh, ruining the party. Well, it is an important thing to talk about because uh, Bitcoin, and it's kind of hard to explain to the listeners how people can get bitcoin uh some people actually mine it they have powerful computers with uh, these very powerful graphics cards in them that perform calculations which earn them bitcoin or pieces of uh, a bitcoin but the challenge is there's not many bitcoins left and so as the uh i guess the supply of them diminish it takes even more power and even more electricity to get those final bits and that's why we're seeing this kind of spike in the electricity generation Exactly. And ele- electricity is not a, an infinite resource. And those who
1: do uh, cryptocurrency mining will seek it out where it's most abundant and wherever it's cheaper. Uh, this, of course, does have some implications for the environment. For example, there are some areas where there may have, there might have been a fossil fuel power generating station that was well un- operating well under capacity. Along comes uh, a cryptocurrency miner, sets up a data center uh, and then uses that station to its capacity. If that hadn't been the case, they might have retired it and 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 now instead it's running flat out. That means more uh, emissions into the atmosphere, more carbon into the atmosphere. Uh, we're not we're not moving toward uh, a cleaner future. We're moving away from it all because we're we're cranking up the power and we're delaying the retirement of a lot of less clean, dirtier resources. so, it has implications on a whole bunch of levels, and quite frankly, it's, it, it is an issue for elections. You sort of want to know, what our politicians think about this? Is this something that they are going to look into? Will they be introducing policy directives and laws to ensure that, A, we have enough power to meet our current and projected demands, uh, and B, we're not ruining the planet in the process?
0: We're going to talk streaming now. There's a lot of choice out there, and uh, we're going to have a look at uh, a popular channel here in Canada, Fubo, Fubo TV. We've got uh, Ben Grad on the line with us from the Fubo team. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Hey, Mike, thanks for having me. So tell the listeners a little bit about Fubo. What what can they get? What kind of content is available on the platform?
2: Yeah, so Fubo is a uh, sports-first live TV streaming platform. (laughs) Um, So the types of content you can get is uh, not dissimilar from what you can get from your BDU. Uh, It's live sports, it's entertainment, it's news, uh, but it's at a very compelling uh, attractive price point. Uh, we provide a lot of uh, choices to customers, and we really have the best soccer offering in Canada. So uh, at Troubaugh, sometimes we say, come for the sports, stay for the entertainment. And, um, you know, we, we have a, a great and growing um, sports offering
0: for, uh, for Canadians. Let's talk about some of the sports that uh, are available. What are some of the, the highlights?
2: Yeah, for sure. So we have the exclusive English Premier League rights uh, in Canada. Um, so the EPL is the best soccer league in the world. Um, and so if you want to watch, uh, Man City, if you want to watch Liverpool, if you want to watch Man U, uh, and you're in Canada, uh, the way to do it is to, uh, subscribe to FUBA. Um, so, you know, that's, that's a, a great property, but we also have Serie A, another top, uh, soccer, uh, soccer league, the Italian first division. Um, we have that exclusively in Canada. Uh, we have Copa Italia, uh, the domestic cup in, in, uh, in Italy, but we also have, uh, the Canadian Premier League. You know, we have, uh, men's and women's international matches from, uh, from the Canadian national team in in CONCACAF. So we're really the home of soccer in Canada, Uh, but beyond soccer, we've been growing our sports offering. Um, So uh, we actually recently launched uh, a package with the Buffalo Sabres uh, that we have in Southern Ontario. Um, We uh, recently launched NBA TV Canada, um, and uh, we have MLB Network as well. So um, sports is really the key for us, uh, but we also have 80 uh, other live linear channels um, across sports news and entertainment.
0: So if you're a sports nut, that's the place to go, Fubo, essentially.
2: Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, You know, we make it easy for users. um, The type of interface that they have uh, on Fubo is, you know, it's sort of a very digital, you know, connected TV native interface that would be very intuitive to someone who watches a lot of, you know, Netflix or, uh, you know, Amazon Prime Video. Um, But they're able to watch their favorite sports content on there as well.
0: Uh, and I guess that's uh, the key thing here. Fubo is pretty well available anywhere. I mean, if you can get Netflix on the device that you're you're using... Yeah, probably you're on
2: Fubo. virtually every... Yeah, virtually every connected device. But um, actually, most of our customers... Uh, well, the vast majority of our streaming hours are on the living room uh, television. Uh, you know, the majority of our customers also watch on their laptop or their handset, um, uh, you know, or other devices. Um, so it's...
0: It really, we... we And provide content wherever you are on whatever device you're on. And for the people that, you know, traditionally have watched sports on, you know, regular cable TV, like, is there a quality difference that they're going to find going from, like, you know, their regular TV they've had for years going over to, uh, you know, the Fubo app?
2: Yeah, I mean, so we're industry leaders um, in in terms of tech and and, and streaming quality. So we actually launched the EPL in 4K uh, ahead of this season. So really, um, you know, with the... all the video that you'll get on Fubo is, you know, we put up against anyone. We think it's, you know, better than what they would typically get from, uh, you know, uh, the BDU or cable type service.
0: And so uh, you you talk about sports, but you, you have other entertainment channels as well. What are some yeah. of the, the key ones there that people would be interested in?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we, we do have, uh, uh, you know, a lot of breadth and depth in our entertainment offering. You know, we have uh, CBC and uh, CBC News. Um, uh, you know, we dot uh you know all of the channels from chorus um and so you know http canada food network canada uh, w disney channel disney junior slice um you know those are some of the uh some of the more popular ones uh within entertainment um and then we uh uh we've actually uh in growing our French language offerings we have a SRC for example um for uh you know French language viewers and what's the pricing like, uh, for FUBU TV? Is there different tiers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so they start at fourteen ninety nine a month. Um, and that's for our entertainment offering. Um, but we also have uh pricing that gets pretty close to that, for, um, for, uh, for the sports offering as
0: well. Where do you see streaming going over the next couple of years? I mean, there's been a, a huge shift in the way people watch TV and sports for that matter.
2: Yeah, for, for sure. For sure. And, um, you know, it's it's a lot of up and to the right, to be honest. You know, people aren't going to be watching fewer hours on their you know connected TVs and living room devices uh, in the future. And so um, you know we we think uh, you know that trend will continue and to continue to accelerate. Uh, you know, if you look back five or ten years, uh, you know, having a connected TV was sort of you know, for really tech forward you know households and families. and now it's it's mass market. So, uh, we think that people will just consolidate more and more of their viewing hours on these uh, connected TV platforms.
0: Any uh, new stuff coming out here in Canada? Yeah, so um, so I mentioned
2: NBA TV. That's a recent launch of ours. We launched that um, uh, in December. Um, we, I mentioned the Sabres earlier. We launched that in, in November in Southern Ontario. Uh, we launched uh, Super Channel in November as well. Um, so we have an ad-free premium entertainment, um, from, from them. And uh, I'm really happy with how that's, uh, that's going. Um, and, um, uh, yeah, those are, those are, uh, some of the top lines, um, you know, in terms of what we've, uh, recently watched, but, uh, watch, watch this space, uh, you know, we're always, uh, doing more to, uh, evolve our offering and, 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 you know, uh, have it have something appropriate for, you know, any Canadian who wants to stream, um, in particular stream sports
0: been talking with Ben Grad. He's from FUBO TV here in Canada, where you can get uh, all the uh, latest and greatest uh, sports and teams that you like to follow and uh, a really good uh, entertainment package uh, as well. Where can people find out more information, Ben? Yeah, I
2: mean, just go to our website, uh, Fubo.tv. Um, so pretty, pretty simple. It's uh, Fubo,
0: F-U-B-O.tv. Thanks for joining us. Great. Thanks a lot, Mike, for having me. Got uh, my good friend, Carmi Levy with me, and uh, we're going to talk about uh, AI and chatbots when they go off the rails. Uh, Starting with uh, OpenAI, a lot of people have heard of ChatGPT. It's uh, a large language model. It's uh, a tool that allows people to use AI to create all sorts of different things from essays to blogs to websites. Uh, I mean, it's almost like magic. But uh, from what I understand, Carmi, it went off the rails for a few hours. I had a bad night uh, earlier this week, Tuesday night. Uh,
1: social media, particularly Reddit, started to be flooded with reports that something was off with ChatGPT, that it had gone off the rails. It was posting, in some cases, uh, absolute gibberish. In other cases, when us folks would give it a prompt, it will, would respond with Shakespearean English, completely out of context. In other cases, it would just repeat the same thing over and over. Uh, there was some speculation that this was a sign that Chat GPT had become sentient, uh, become more human-like when in fact the opposite was true. It had a glitch. OpenAI said they were aware of it, said they were trying to address it by uh the next morning. Things seem to have gone back to normal. But, you know, this doesn't surprise us. I'm actually the only reason that I'm surprised is that it took so long for an event like this to happen. We know that AI-powered chatbots have a hallucination problem, we know that sometimes they can go rogue, we know that uh, they can outright lie, actually give you the wrong response, and that the longer that you speak with them, the longer your your individual session goes on with a chatbot, the more likely it is that it will say something that is completely unhinged. So we knew that it happened on an individual basis, we hadn't seen it at scale like this, but this is just a factor of the way the technology is designed, it's designed to suck up huge amounts of data... Uh, it's kind of a black box in there. Not even open AI knows exactly how it works inside. And we do know that it does have a tendency to do weird things after a while. And sometimes they just manifest themselves selves in new and crazy ways. This is another one of those new and crazy ways.
0: And I think we better be prepared for it, at least for the near term. Do you think these companies like open AI should be really transparent when this kind of stuff happens? Or like you were saying, uh, do uh, they not uh, even uh, know what's going on? Like why? Yeah, that's... The- Yeah, that's the scary thing here. I've called it the
1: transparency problem or the black box problem. The industry, I think, doesn't want to show too many of its cards. Certainly, OpenAI doesn't want to because Google is breathing down its neck. Meta is breathing down its neck. Amazon, all of these companies are developing their own AI-powered large language models and bots and other tools. And the last thing anyone wants to do is share so much in the public domain that they give up their competitive advantage. So. Here you have this sort of situation where even OpenAI admits doesn't really know what's going on inside its tools all the time um, and doesn't really have a whole lot of incentive to share more. And there's no law requiring them to, so why should they? So it is it, what it does, it perpetuates the problem. Um, you know, we're building a car. We don't know how the engine works. Nobody wants to share with anyone else how their engine works. So when things blow up, we don't really learn exactly why that happens. It means that we're all at greater risk if we continue driving that car.
0: Well, talking about uh, chatbots going off the rail, this was, a, I, I thought, a kind of uh, a, an interesting story. Uh, many companies now use chatbots uh, to have customer inter, inter, uh, interactions, uh, you know, from a service standpoint. Uh, Air Canada has one that I guess uh, gives advice to customers on on booking travel. And this one gave the wrong advice to uh, a poor passenger who was trying to book a bereavement fare. Someone in his family had died. And, you know, a lot of the airlines like Air Canada, they provide, I guess, reduced rates uh, so you can travel to funerals and things like that, which I think is a great service. Uh, But uh, in this case here, the chatbot gave this one individual wrong information and then Air Canada wouldn't fix it. And I guess this guy took them to court. Uh, it took the, you know basically what he did
1: was he went, if you go on the website, usually on the bottom on the right or you know, kind of on one of the sides, there's a little box. And instead of calling someone, you just chat back and forth with them on text. And here's where I think most of us make that initial mistake. We think we're talking to a human, where increasingly we're not. We're talking to a chatbot. It's kind of like a stripped down version of ChatGPT. Uh, it seems human-like. They often give them names. You're speaking to Anna. But it's not really Anna. It's a software version of Anna. And in this case, uh, you know, this individual, his grandmother had passed away, went on to the website and was chatting with this bot. Uh, and the bot said, you know, if if you want to get a refund on, uh, you know, on the the price of this ticket, which would be very expensive because it's booked last minute, because that's what happens when someone dies, you can just submit it after the fact, and you know, we will refund the difference in 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 money. And uh, he went and he did that, shared the gift certificate, took the advice that the bot had given him. And then, of course, Air Canada refused it, saying, that's not our rule. He didn't read the other part of the website. Uh, so here you have the bot on one part of the website giving you know, bad information. And then you have a terms of use or terms of service section somewhere else on the website that's giving completely conflicting information. And Air Canada was basically blaming the customer, saying, you should have read it all. Uh, you shouldn't have listened to this part. should have listened to the other one. Um, they fought it. Uh, and and refused to pay, and in fact only uh, agreed to pay when he complained to the Civil Resolution Tribunal, who ruled against Air Canada. So not only were they called out, they still tried to get away with it until the tribunal said, no, Air Canada, it doesn't work that way. A, you have to use better technology. B, uh, don't force it on the consumer to figure out which part of the website has correct information and which part of the website doesn't. So you know it's it's a case of a chat bot saying the wrong thing again they lie they go rogue they he- hallucinate this is no surprise they often say things the longer you speak with them that they think you want to hear next and that's exactly what happened here so uh, air canada pox on you for this um but you know the good news here is is that i think we all have an abject lesson in these tools that everyone is now using um, when you encounter one screen grab everything that you can at every stage. And also take the time to dig deeper into the website and or the app to make sure that the information that the bot is giving you is consistent with what other parts of the site are sharing. Uh, go you know, go in with your eyes open, collect as much information as possible, and make sure that you're ready to fight if things don't go your way. The chat bot's not your friend? <laughs> uh, they they, they, they want to make it seem like it's your friend, but you're talking to Dave. I <laughs> got Dave, you know, only wants to, there to be a positive outcome. But in the end, uh, no, uh, the company wants to make as much money as possible. And uh, if, if they give you the wrong advice, Air Canada's original position was too bad, so sad. Uh, never mind what our bot said. So you really can't trust what you're seeing in that corner little box. And we really do have to be a lot more careful. Don't assume that that is customer support, because from the sounds of it, Air Canada
0: wasn't supporting their customer here. I imagine this would be happening with other corporations as well. Like, I th- it, do you not think this is a wake-up call to a lot of these companies out there? Like, I would be going, "Oh my it, god!" Yeah, huh. but, I think mean, it should
1: be right. Uh, this should be the moment. And, and I've always been very wary. Every time I use one of these bots, I I know that I'm speaking with software. You can kind of tell that that when you ask a question that's too complex for it, because this isn't ChatGPT. This is like an especially dumb version of chat GPT, you can kind of tell they give you canned responses. It looks like it's artificially intelligence generated. But the problem here is most of us aren't asking that question. It's because of the work that I do. I'm leaning in and I'm looking for signs that this isn't a human. I don't assume that when someone else is in a moment of crisis in the airport, wants to get on a plane, uh, is far from home, we might not always be in a position where we can you know, lean in and, and do that additional le- layer or level of due diligence. So you know, it's it's not our problem. It should be the vendor's problem. It should be the companies that roll out this technology. It's their problem. But so far, it looks like they're 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 hoping that you know we just won't know any better, and they'll be able to get away with it. And unfortunately for us, I, I think in many other cases, uh, this is exactly what's happening. Companies are delivering substandard
0: customer service, and unfortunately, consumers are being hosed in the process. There has to be more transparency, though, as well, don't you think? Because I've gone to some sites and. I like using the chat function a lot of times because, um, you know, instead of trying to go through their phone menu, you know, God, that could take forever. Uh, I fa- I have found that I can get through someone on chat pretty quick and, and get my questions answered, but I'm finding increasingly, I don't know if they're human or not. I, I can tell pretty yeah. quick, but I'm just wondering, you know, some people, you know, they might not know that they're talking to AI or, you know, a, a robot. Like, don't you think that should be really clearly defined? Totally. It's
1: it's just like when you see a, a an image online, right? There should be a label there that says that it is either this is a real photo or this was generated by artificial intelligence, either partially or completely. And so the call for greater transparency in the use of AI related content is growing. And I think that applies here too, that when I open a, a chat bot, uh, and certainly I should have the option of choosing it because you're right, I can maybe avoid sitting on hold for an hour and a half before I actually reach a human operator, if I can use the chat bot to get a simple answer to my simple question, maybe I can save myself a whole lot of heartache. But I want to do that going in with my eyes open. I want the tool to make it very clear. This is not a human. This is AI generated. Uh, and I think if companies were more upfront about it. And they were also more upfront about the limitations of those technologies. In other words, don't ask significant questions. Do look, you know, here are links to other parts of the website that you might want to look at as well for additional information. Don't always trust what you see. If they were upfront about it and honest about it, I think we would all be a little bit more accepting. But what seems to be happening is they're pretending that the technology is human. It's not perfect. And then of course you know they're trying to get away with it when things don't go the way we want them to and they're assuming that we as consumers will pay the extra
0: costs and that's just not fair wise uh, that's spelled uh, w-y-z-e they make uh, a really uh expensive uh line of security cams and they've been very popular because they're good and uh, they're cheap Uh, they're very inexpensive Uh, i know a lot of people that uh, use them well, uh, recently here, there's been a, a bit of a glitch. 13,000 of their users were able to access other people's video feeds for a very brief moment of time. They said that uh, 99.75% of their customers weren't affected, uh, which I don't know if that's you know any comfort to the 13,000 <laughs> that were exposed. But Carmi, uh, what happened here? Uh, you know, if, if you were
1: a wise user when this event was playing, the uh, first thing you would have noticed was there was a huge service outage. Uh, and so your cameras would have gone dark. And then the cameras came back on uh, and, and a number of this small percentage of people noticed that they weren't seeing footage from their cameras. They are seeing footage from other people's cameras. One person said he saw a lady walking around in a living room, you know, someone else, you know, saw someone else's house. Oh my God, that's not mine. Right. That's not, I'm not looking at my house. Uh, and so, the service was working, but clearly the feeds were being being uh, switched around. You were authenticating to seeing things that you should not have been seeing the way these services work. When you sign in, you should only be seeing footage from your cameras and no one else should be seeing it and you shouldn't be seeing anyone else's. So uh, obviously something on the authentication side was glitchy. Uh, Wise has blamed uh, Amazon Web Services. Of course, they are The provider of uh, a a baseline infrastructure, so the AWS handles uh, the footage, moves the footage around, stores it, uh, provides the networking infrastructure that allows all of these wonderful services to work. Uh, But that's very typical. Companies always want to blame someone else because that's just the way things work. But from where I sit, uh, you buy a Wise camera, you install the Wise app, you authenticate on Wise's system. Wise is ultimately accountable for ensuring that all of those pieces are working and here we are the second time since late last year in september they had a similar uh, event where content from uh strangers cameras was being shown uh to others uh unplanned and uh so that they haven't learned that lesson and they're still blaming their partners is absolutely unconscionable it's not that i'm running through my house doing anything I, i really don't want people seeing but at the same time i don't care i don't want anyone seeing what's going on in my house i love these services But it kind of frightens me to think that that potential is there, and here is a company with the second similar outage uh, in five or six months, and they're still not accepting responsibility for it. That would make me want to put Post-its over my cameras or just pull them out completely (laughs) until Wise issues something that's a little bit more. What scares me about this too also, Wise didn't say that footage was being shared. They simply said that you might have seen avatars from other people's cameras, which was not true. On social media what people were were sharing was they were actually seeing video feeds from other people's cameras. So even in the event of this outage, Wise wasn't being completely upfront about it. Uh, and we all know that the first rule of a case like this is you share the facts that you know and you don't try to PRify them, which is what Wise seems to have done here.
0: Well, it just kind of um, shows you how these cameras work. and, and there's two ways that they uh, are able to display this footage after they've captured it. Number one, uh, they if depending what brand you get, they they sometimes capture it onto digital memory on the camera itself or to uh, something inside your home and and or uh, cloud services. I have the ring system I know you do as well, Carmi. I love it because everything's in the cloud. I can, Access uh, my front doorbell camera, my garage camera, no matter where I am in the world, as long as I got like a, a laptop or, or my smartphone for that matter. Uh, so that's, I guess, the issue here is all that video footage is in the cloud, uh, essentially. But yeah. I haven't really heard of a lot of other security cam com- companies having this similar problem. You no, know, it doesn't happen that
1: often, certainly around Ring uh, doorbells, around the time that we bought ours. About a week after we bought ours, uh, we heard stories of Ring, uh, at Ring, which is owned by Amazon, um, that they were sharing that footage with police departments and in many cases uh, without a warrant, and a lot of consumers weren't aware of that. And so there are privacy concerns around this, uh, and it kind of does pop up every once in a while. But as as is often the case, we're so enamored of the the sheer capabilities of these things. We were just on the road and We were able to access our ring remotely, and we knew when someone showed up at our house, and it was it brought us great comfort. They are wonderful when they work as planned, um, but when you get you know if if the authentication does not work, if it doesn't keep strangers from peering into your home, uh, that's sort of one of those you know really you know sort of scenarios where you really question uh, convenience at what cost, right? Am I giving up my privacy in exchange for this really cool service? Is it worth it? And I know a lot of people in the wake of this latest wise event um, they're happily using the the cameras on the perimeter of their home pointing outward but many of them are starting to disable the cameras in the house until the company issues a better explanation of a what happened and b what they're going to do to ensure that this doesn't happen again because from where i sit
0: three strikes you're out i'm buying something else so we got a couple minutes left here uh carmy so some things you know if you're now paranoid that you're you're your security cam is uh, footage is being exposed to other folks, and you don't want that to ever happen. Uh, there's two ways you can go about it. Uh, you know, obviously, one like you mentioned, don't have cameras inside the house because that's you know obviously very personal space there. But another one is some of these camera systems. Uh, I believe Arlo and Eufy, E U F Y, they have the capability to store the footage right on the unit itself, essentially on digital memory cards.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So then you're managing it essentially on your home network instead of someone else's. You're a little bit less vulnerable to the kinds of cloud-related lapses that seem to be at the root of what happened with Wwise. Uh So you may trade off some convenience for a little more direct personal control over your data. What you might also want to do is take a look at how you authenticate onto the app that controls these cameras. Uh, in many cases, uh, the default, the, the things like two-factor authentication, encryption, and other security capabilities aren't turned on by default. So you can go a long way towards sort of locking them down if you go and you turn those on. Um, that's kind of an important sort of, you know, first step as well.
0: We're talking about uh, the Wise camera glitch uh, where uh, I guess thousands of their users' uh, video feeds uh, were exposed to other Wyze uh, customers. And uh, uh, I, this is apparently the second time that it has happened that we uh, know about. So something to uh, keep in mind when you set up these security cams around... Uh, your home, and where you set them up as well. That's all the time we have left for Get Connected this week. Uh, As always, I want to thank uh, Carmi for joining me on the program. Also, uh, don't forget to subscribe to our podcast of this uh, radio show. We uh, have it up on all the popular uh, podcasting sites uh, on Apple, Spotify, of course, Curious Cast as well, which is a great resource. And you can go to our website too, www.getconnectedmedia.com going to give a shout out. Uh, Starting next week, we've got a really great contest uh, starting. We're going to be giving away a Google Pixel phone, smartphone. Uh, This is a a beautiful prize. So you'll want to tune in next week to find out how you can uh, win that, uh, that smartphone. This is Mike and Carmi logging off. We will see you again next time.